All right, so this section over here, say, you're gonna, just a minute, you're going to say fasting. And this section over here, you're going to say feasting. I'd rather be over here. <laughs> Ready? Fasting, feasting, fasting, feasting. We're going to talk about this today. How do you know when to fast? And how do you know when to feast? That's a really good question. Now, the Bible talks a lot about food. There's over 90 different instances where the, in the Gospels alone. We know that with the first, you know, temptation involved food, we know they ate from the tree of life. So there's lots and lots of food, food, food stories. We know Esau sold his birthright for a, a, really a bowl of stew, really. And, and so how, how do you know? And if you've never been to church before, the Bible talks a lot about fasting and a lot about feasting. But the $64,000 question is, when do I do what? How do I know when I'm supposed to do a fast? And how do I know when we should be feasting? And so the disciples of Jesus, they are feasting, and John's disciples are fasting. And the, John's disciples are going, oh, wait a minute, time out here. We're starving, and you guys are going to buffets. What's up with this? Now, there's no shortage of information today about health. Today's our last message on win the day. And how that actually got started was we realized that with all of our great challenges in life, most of us can't think about winning the year, the month, maybe not even the week. Our challenges are so great. And and then a nurse came to me and said, I can't think about winning the whole week on my shift, but I can think about winning my, my hours. I had another teacher, special needs teacher. I cannot think about winning this year with a special needs class, but I can win the day. I can't think about the month or the week. I can win the day. Some of you business women and men with big quotas on sales said, you know what? My quota is too large. I can't get my mind around this giant quota, but I can break it down and I can do today what I need to do to be able to win the day. And then you think about spiritual challenges. I've got some issues I need to get rid of. I've got some things I need to start doing. Again, we break it down, bite-sized pieces, and we grow and we grow and we grow together. So now say, win the day. Win the day. Today, our last one, and all these are in the app. If, again, if you're new, you can download the Harborside app. There's nine already in there. It's all about winning. How do you, you know, winners have hope, winners have faith, winners have great attitudes. Today, it's winners value health. When I talk about health, we realize that the Apostle Paul says that you are body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. You are all three. Ready? Body, soul, and spirit. Maybe a little more enthusiasm. Body, soul, and spirit. And we think about health then. There's physical health. There's mental, emotional health. And there's definitely spiritual health. And there's no shortage of advice no shortage of opinions. There's no shortage of information. I mean, it is everywhere. It is all over the place. You go anywhere, read anything, and it's everywhere, and it's not bad. I'm not saying there's anything against it. It's, it's, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere that you go. And so we see that there's diets and fads and things, and years ago, somebody wrote an article said the two fastest ways to become a millionaire is to start your own religion. Don't, don't do that. 
okay? I'm not, not making that. And, and write a diet book. I thought that was interesting. Start your own religion. That's idolatry. Do not do that. What did you learn at church yesterday? My pastor said we should start our own religion. No, that's not what I'm saying. Anyway, all right, enough of that. Exercise. It's everywhere. You know this guy? He's got it going on, doesn't he? He's looking good. Uh, We've got a little boot camp going on there at some coliseum. Got some uh, Pilates. Doesn't that look painful? <laughs> My goodness, that looks painful. Uh, when we ordain Amos on that 14th, we'll have the elders model that that, that night. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at our chairman. He's going, you know, cut. That's not a good idea. Um, spin class. How many, these are fun. How many of you have done a spin class before? Those are actually a lot of fun and, and get your heart pumping and you're sweating. And, um, this is, I call this the death suit. Especially in Clearwater. Who would wear one of these suits in Clearwater about September the 1st, okay? Guaranteed uh, sure death. This is my all-time favorite. I love this one. Because I'm thinking about the guy who actually created this was smart, but the people who sold this, they were geniuses. Who would be able to sell this? Because people bought these hand over fist, and all she got were blisters and, and calluses or whatever. All right. So... The disciples of John are fasting. Jesus' disciples are going to a buffet. Here we go. John's disciples were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but you guys are going to the buffet, basically? Well, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. I went through four years of Bible college and three years of graduate school and never heard one single sermon on fasting. Jesus says very clearly, there is coming a day when we will fast. Aren't you glad I'm your preacher? Okay, that's kind of funny. Um, If you have never been to church and you were to ask somebody at the coffee shop, what do Christians do? What, what am I supposed to do if I do start coming to church? Jesus outlines three things real quickly. Number one, he says, when you give. Number one, when you give. He doesn't say if you give. He says what? He says when you give. So don't do it this way. If you do it this way, you won't be honored. So don't, don't do it that way. And he says, and when you pray. So he says, what do, if you become a Christian, what are the three steps or what are the three pieces? One's giving, one is prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stay pray, stand praying in the synagogues. I tell you, if you do this, you've received your reward in full. But when you pray, go. So he's telling you how to give and he's telling you how to pray. But notice what he says next. He says, when you fast. Now, I find this fascinating because in the same vein, in the same parallel line here, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. In other words, fasting is not like an option. Fasting is not like something, well, I think I'll pick and choose. He's talking about fasting in the same line, in the same context as giving and praying. When you fast, do not, then he tells you how to do it. Don't, don't do it this way. If you do it this way, you, you've received your reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. He's not saying put 10W40 on your head. What he's saying is, he's saying is, 
don't act like, don't act like, oh, poor pitiful me. Everybody look at me drawing attention to yourself when you're fasting. If you do that, you negate the purpose of the fast. So notice what Jesus says in, in, in key, I'll keep going. When you're, so it will be, be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen, and your father will, will reward you. And all three of these categories, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast, you can be rewarded by man, or you can choose to be rewarded by God. And he says, you really want to be rewarded by your heavenly father. That's a much greater reward. I want to show you now one fast in the Old Testament. There are 17, and there are seven in the New Testament. But let's just slow the train down. Let's just stop, get off on a rest area, rest for a few minutes on Isaiah 58. And Isaiah 58, I just want to show you one example of fasting, and it wasn't working. The people were going without food, and it wasn't doing them any good. And they were like, what's up with this? Why are we going without food? Why are we fasting if God's not going to bless us? It's a great illustration of what to do and what not to do with fasting. Isaiah 58. Shout it out loud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. All right, we're off to a good start. Not exactly, you know, positive thinking, but here we go. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of their God. They ask me for just decisions, and they seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Good question. Why have we humbled ourselves, God, and and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, here's the answer, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. So there was a connection here. There was a connection to how they were treating people. They were going through the motions of a fast, but they were exploiting the workers. The haves could care less about the have-nots. And the haves were taking incredible advantage of the have-nots. And the haves were just squeezing every ounce of juice over they could of exploitation over the people who were extremely poor. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Can you imagine? We as a church in January finish a 21-day fast and two of you get in a fight in the parking lot after we finish the fast. That's kind of what he's talking about here, isn't he? You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. They were going through the motions. They were in religion, but not a relationship. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Again, it's like going through the motions. If you're going to fast and you're just going through the motions and there's nothing going on inside the heart, he's saying, don't do it. I wouldn't do it. You're just on a hunger striker. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Now, here's the point. Here's where the music changes. Here's what I want to fast to do. I want to fast to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. You see, when you fast for breakthroughs, 
when you're asking God to do something in your life that you know you can't do on your own, and he gives you that supernatural grace, that supernatural power, God gets all the glory. Because you know you didn't do it. You know you're not that smart, you're not that gifted, and you you don't have that much favor. But a fast that actually works, you're like, whoa, whoa, this is cool. This is really what it's all about. Set the oppressed free to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. In other words, you get your heart right, God's going to have some breakthroughs for you. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The glory of the Lord. Then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, in other words, you're cheating your people. You're taking advantage of all the people under you, and you could care less, and you're stepping on them, and you're doing a fast, and you're thinking, I'm going to give you more favor? And God's going, don't mock me. That dog won't hunt. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. That's your inner core. Don't throw away your confidence. One of the things that happen during a fast is it makes you stronger internally. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repair of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord is what? Has spoken. Oh, yeah. I think that's really cool. So here's an example of a fast. Let me ask you this question. When do you fast and when should you feast? Those are two completely different celebrations. There were seven called feasts in the Old Testament. Every time they got together for the Sabbath, it was a feast. Every Sabbath there was involved food. The Passover lamb on the day of of Passover. They got together and they celebrated. They did one of the offerings, the sacrifices for burnt offerings or sin offerings. A bull was slain and it was put on a grill. Now can you imagine putting a 2,000 pound brisket on a grill? How good that smelled? Glory, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I mean, you put a 2,000 pound bull on a grill half mile away with the wind, you're going, we're going to the temple, baby. We're going to the temple. Come on, let's go to the temple. We just ate. We're going to the temple, honey. Come on. Come on. And so there's all these feasts in the Old Testament. There's all these feasts in the New Testament. We've got birthday celebrations. You see all these different times when they got the first wedding. The first miracle, rather, was the king of Galilee. And Jesus, you know, turns all this 
water into wine. That doesn't go over well in Baptist churches, but it was fermented. 120 gallons of fermented alcohol. I mean, there's a party going on. And there's feasting and there's fasting. There's feasting and there's fasting. There's feasting and there's fasting. Mm. I'd rather talk about feasting, wouldn't you? That's a whole lot more fun. So when we think about some of these feasts, that's our kitchen. That's really Ethan. We just got the beard and the hair all covered up, you know, with, with, with the hat. Oh, oh my gosh, shouldn't that look good? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll make an instant diabetic eat about six of those, won't it? This is on the boat to Queen Mary. I'm going on the Queen Mary. That's on my bucket list, okay? I don't care about the boat. I'm just, I care about the buffet, right? That's just heavenly right there. The cheese, the grapes. Oh, my gosh. Look at those desserts, guys. The bread. Anybody hungry? (laughs) This is a fish cake. His entire cake. It's the world's largest fish cake. The world's largest. Now, believe it or not, this pizza goes for 1.13 mile. It's over a mile long. That's a lot of pizza, isn't it? it is. Y'all are drooling. Y'all aren't paying attention to me. You're just, I see the drool come out of the side of some of your mouths. This hamburger weighs 2,111 pounds. If you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. It's over a 2,000 pound hamburger. This is the world's largest nacho. It's 110 feet of nachos. 110 feet of nachos. So Jesus calls a man named Matthew, a tax collector, to come follow him. And look what happens in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While they were having dinner at Matthew's house, that's the whole point. They're having dinner. Jesus calls a man to come follow him, and they go have a feast. And Peter and James and John are going, huh? Guys, just sold out to the Romans. and you, you want, We're going to have a dinner with this guy? I bet Peter was freaking out, stroke level. And they're having a feast. Do you remember what took place in the book of Esther? The king had a feast for 180 days. Then they gave a seven-day feast to the servants, and the queen, Vasti, she also gave a banquet for some of her attendants. This would happen during the time of Xerxes, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from the royal throne in the citadel of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia, Media, the princes, and the nobles of the provinces were present for a full 180 days. Now, does anybody here want to go to a party for 180 days? That'd be one long party, wouldn't it? He displayed his wealth, his kingdom, his splendor, the glory of his majesty. 
When these days were over, the king then gives another party, a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden. And then the queen, she also gives a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. All right, here's our point. How do we know when to do what? How do you know when you should enter into a fast? The Bible talks about one-day fasts. It has three-day fasts. It has seven-day fasts. It has 10-day fasts. It has 21-day fasts. It has 14-day fasts. It has fasts that are partial. It has fasts that are full. We, as a church, here in January, do a 21-day partial fast. Give up something you like in, in the place so that you can pray and seek the Lord those 21 days. Now, how do you know when to do what? Well, I think it's kind of clear that when you need direction, that's when you should do a fast. Now, I, I wouldn't buy a car without fasting. I would never buy a house without fasting. I would never buy a business. I would never sell a business. How do you know what God wants you to do? I would never make any major decisions in life. If I was single and dating, I wouldn't keep dating without, is this right, good, bad? I I wouldn't do any of this without a fast. Lord, I know what I want. I know what I like. I know what I think. I need to know what you think. Your ways are higher than mine. So, So you fast when there's a time of direction. I need direction in my life. Man, do I need some victory. I've been having a lot of defeats. So I'm coming to you because I'm asking for victory. And I want breakthroughs. I can't, I can't do this. I, I keep trying in my own flesh. I'm two steps forward, but I'm three steps back. Lord, I need victory and I need a breakthrough. And I really want your favor. I would fast when there's nothing wrong. We do our 21-day fast as a church. Denise and I do three or four more of these every year. We want more favor. We want an increase of favor. It doesn't have to be anything wrong. It's just you have in your heart a desire for more of the favor of God. I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I want more of you to transform me. I want your favor. How hungry are you for the things of God? How hungry are you for God to give you direction? How hungry are you for God to give you victory? Now, you can do it the hard way, or you can do it the the flow way. And so when you want these things, you you do a fast. See, because a fast keeps you really humble. A fast really says, I know I'm not strong enough, big enough, great enough to go forward to something else, and I'm asking you to do what I can't do. And I've told you this before, I absolutely hate fasting. But I love the breakthroughs, the victory, the direction, and the favor. I love, because I know God shows up. He shows up and he shows off in such a powerful way. But then there's the feasting. And the feasting is, is when you just... You're like overwhelmed and you just celebrate the goodness of God. And it's a family dinner. And at the family dinner, you get up as the patriarch or you get up as the matriarch. You get up as the brother, whoever, and, and you read a psalm of thanksgiving. Or you read, or you have a prayer that's like, 
you know, it's not now I lay me down to sleep. It's like a real prayer. It's like, it's, it's a, I can't believe I get to be a part of this. I can't believe in the goodness of God. And when you stop and really think about what we have, oh my goodness, what we have today. And how he's blessed you, how he's poured out his grace over you and me. I'm overwhelmed with the goodness and the faithfulness and the greatness of my heavenly father. I'm overwhelmed. And, and so we, we feast every Sunday with the Lord's Supper. Every time we come together and feast with communion, we're like, God, we're so grateful. A couple of weeks ago, I wasn't preaching, but we were coming. And so Danita said, how about if we ride to church together? Because I'm always here early and we never ride to church together. And so we came in, you know, about the 10 to 10 time when other crowds leaving and you all are coming here. And I'm watching all this traffic and all these cars and all these people. I've never experienced that before, right? It's kind of frightening to be truthful with you. And, and I just, I just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with the goodness and the greatness and the power and the majesty of what God has done. I'm overwhelmed with what he's done. And so we, we celebrate with family. We celebrate with friends. We, we make birthdays a big deal. We make Thanksgiving a big deal. We make Christmas the birth. We make Easter big deals. Easter's a really big deal. But I like that last word. And I added, it's not on your app, but I added it during this week because I felt like the Lord really spoke to me as I was studying on this yesterday. So Friday, it's my day off, and Friday we protect it and we, we hide, Danny and I do, and it's just the two of us. And so best way to do that is get in the boat because you can't find me and I don't take my phone with me and so I, we get in the boat and we were gone all day Friday and just driving all around in the boat and every time we went south man the wind was behind us the waves were flat the, 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 the wind just flattened the waves and I'm cruising 28 29 30 miles an hour I'm looking at the flags on, sh- on shore going when I turn around, this is going to be something else. And then we turn around, and then when we're going north, we've got a northerly wind, and now we've got about two and a half, three foot waves, which we don't care. But there's such a headwind against us now that we're not going 28 miles an hour. We're going about eight or nine. It's still the sprays coming over the bow of the boat. Danita's in the front of the boat with the dog on one hand, just having a great time. She doesn't care how rough it is. My wife's categorically nuts in the boat. She doesn't care how windy it is. But the point is, we're having a ball. But the point is, when we were with the Spirit, when we were with the wind, there's momentum. That's what a feast is. A feast is saying, wow, you did this for me. You blessed me. You touched me. You reached down from heaven and did this for me. It's momentum. A feast is the glory and the greatness of God. That's what a feast is. That's your momentum. And so you celebrate. Why run against the wind? Why do it the hard way? You're pushing. You're pushing through the waves of life. Man, when God puts his hand of favor on you, you know it. You smell it. You feel it. You sense it. 
You know you're in his will. And so you feast. Man, you're awesome. You're just awesome. You've given us all these gifts and blessings and favor. There is no God like you. And so the challenge then is to make sure that we don't do this. Because it's, it, I can easily fast from what I desperately need. And then I can feast on what is unnecessary and unproductive. And so I, I just want to encourage you to think this through. What am I truly feasting on? If I'm feasting on social media and I'm fasting from the Word of God, if I'm feasting on my phone and the computer and Facebook and Snapchat, and I, and I'm, I'm, but I'm fasting from prayer, it doesn't make any sense. And so my, my challenge to you is to get you to think about how are you spending your time? What do you want to feast on? Now, you still got to go to work. You still got to go to school. You still got to pay bills. You still got to do life. But are you feasting and are you fasting within his will? Because if you do, oh my. And see, there, there's not what they had in Amos' day. In Amos' day, there was a famine of the word of God. The days are coming when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of God. I got 30 different translations of the Bible just on my phone. There is no famine today of Scripture, Bibles, Bluetooth in your truck. It's everywhere. They're on your nightstands. There's hard copies. There's iPads. There's all kinds of ways to feast on the Word of God, to feast on that which is good. And so it, it, it's, it's where we are today. So, so here's my challenge for us today. David knew when to do this. King David knew when to fast and he knew when to feast. And here's what he fasted on. Listen to this. This is King David. I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. I'm boasting of you and all your works. So if you're discouraged, he says, take heart. He's the king. Let me tell you what God can do. Join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make him famous. I love that line. Kalen started the service off with Psalm 34, verse 3. Let's make the Lord famous. Let's make his name glorious to all. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress. He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. When I had nothing, I was desperate, I was defeated, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. That's a fast. Bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Who will he do it for? Who gets it? everyone. He will do this for everyone. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourselves the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves to him. 
Worship in awe and wonder, all you who've been made holy. For all who fear him will what? They will feast with plenty. They will feast with plenty. Oh, yeah. Even the strong and wealthy grow weak and hungry. But those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know if you need to do a fast. I don't know if you need to have a feast. I don't know. But you do. You know exactly what the next step and stage of growth is for you. Pick one. Pick one. I need to do a three-day fast or a 21-day fast. Or you know what? We need to bring everybody together and just have a party and celebrate and tell everybody how good and how great the Lord is and what he has done for us. I do know this. If you've never given your life to Jesus, there's no better time than right now. There's no better day to begin this incredible relationship with him. So I want to ask the prayer partners to come down front right now. I want to ask us to stand up. And if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, come down. Let them pray for you. Let them pray over you. And I want to boldly challenge you to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow in your faith. Fasting, feasting. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We praise you. Glory and praise and honor belong to you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you, Jesus. Man, do we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.